Uh, welcome to Jimmy and the Brain. I'm Malcolm Travers. I'm Jimmy. And uh, welcome to the show. Uh, we have a special guest today, uh, DJ Not So Nice. Yo, 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 yo. Uh, how about uh, do an uh, audio introduction, let the audience uh, know who you are. Um, DJ Not So Nice. Um, I've been DJing probably since I was 15 years old. Um, I've been across the country playing music. I'm now residing in Atlanta, and I'm spending at a place called The House. Yes, yes. And that's actually where how I met Jimmy is actually through you. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we're just like chilling out, and I was telling you about M3 and the podcast, and it's like, you know, I know somebody who wants to do podcasts. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, so I showed Jimmy, like, some of the stuff we did for M3, and, um, you know, he was cracking up, and we are just laughing and stuff, and... Now, like a month later, yep. all this, you know, podcast is, is happening. So um, it's great to have you on. Um, so I wanted to ask you about uh, this past weekend. Were you at uh, House in the Park? Yes, from 5.30 in the morning till it ended, <laughs> literally. <laughs> okay. So uh, tell me a little bit about House in the Park, like how it started and how you were involved in it. Um, House in the Park started about maybe 15 when I first got introduced to it. Um, uh, we were hanging out. A friend of mine, um, her name from D.C., uh, decided that, hey, you know, you guys like house music. Why don't you come on down to this place at the park? Back then it was at a place called uh, Perkinson Park. And she said, come on down. They're having house music. It's a great time. So, of course, we went and hung out. And anything house music I was at. So we went down there and hung out. And, of course, it was a great time. And we've been going ever since. Um, it's probably my 16th year now. Every year we go, we set up tents and hang out and it's house music from DJs that are amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, because I, I, mean, I went um, last year. I wasn't able to go this year, but it was my first time. And um, I was talking to some people and, you know, they're giving me like the history of house music because I honestly I'm just ignorant about it. So... Uh, <laughs> Which I just never understand. Yes. I forgot to introduce Derek, too. I, I, we should do that. <laughs> uh, Derek Jones is a contributor to M3 and needed to um, to uh, be on this conversation to uh, respond to some stuff we did in the last episode. <laughs> we'll get to it. But, yeah, no, I am I am super ignorant about house music. But I, I got a little education when I went last year to House in the Park. And, um, yeah, I just... Yep. I, I want to um, see if you can give me a little schooling on the history of house music and um, and I guess how you know. Well, there's all this ever ending, ba never ending battle of house. Where did house music start? Yeah, uh, Chicago. Hey, all right, that's the man after my heart right there. <laughs> I said Chicago. It starts in Chicago. But this past weekend, I heard the story about Larry Levan. They claimed that they wanted him to be the uh, godfather of house. And um, he just wasn't ready to do it. So he sent uh, Frankie Knuckles to Chicago. And then Frankie started it there. And then supposedly it blossomed from that point on. So what, what is house music? House music is basically a derivative of, um, let's say, uh, 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 old disco, old 12-inch uh, disco songs. Like uh, Donna Summers was a disco hit. You know, and then when disco died, it kind of took on a different persona, and um, they called it house music. Okay. So yeah, I mean, I um, 
like I said, I was because I when I hear house music, I hear a lot of different influences. You know, I don't know what I'm hearing, but um, you'll hear a little bit of everything from house music. Yeah, as rock, um, even cartoons. Yeah, uh, police <laughs> sirens. It's it's a it's a it's an array of sounds. Yeah, um, um, and it's driven with a heavy bass beat. Um, most people think um, house music is the, the the commercial techno that they hear. It, that's just a form of house music. Basically, it's old disco revisiting. Yeah, yeah. So you're um, a DJ. So uh, and I, like I said, I think I first met you at um, the House Social Club in Atlanta. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about um, the house and your part in it? Uh, the house started also about probably about 12 years ago by a friend of mine named Jamez Rogers. Uh, he and a couple of his partners decided on Sunday afternoons, we should start throwing a card party. You know, everybody wanted to play cards. So they had this huge house and they decided, well, yeah, let's do it here. So every Sunday they would set it up where they would, um, people would come over and play cards. Um, we'd have house music going on upstairs. I would be the DJ there and uh, they would be playing cards. They would have food there. Um, they would have drinks, and everybody would just come and kick it on Sunday. The house would be absolutely packed. There would be no movement to be able to get around the house. It was upstairs and downstairs. It was a great time. So finally, it got too big for the house. We ended up moving down the street to one of his cousin's spots. And um, we played there for a little while, and it got really nice. And again, we had to move again because it started getting larger um, to uh downtown um, in the Broad Street area. Um, after we were there for a little while, he ended up moving to uh, out of town up in the D.C. area. And he moved up there for a little while. And while he was up there, you know, he tried to start a few things up there. Um, didn't work out. Um, and then he decided to come back to Atlanta. And when he came back to Atlanta, he reopened it up again, and we're just back in the flow of it again. Okay. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed myself. Um, been a few times, and it's definitely a unique experience. I used to, um, yeah, I mean, it was like, yeah, it's something I would recommend. I was trying to get people to come myself. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I definitely enjoy myself. So, um, and you, how long have you been DJing? Since I was about 15 years old, um, I started actually mixing music with a cassette deck and I would play the song and I'd stop it in certain parts and basic little I guess you would call it editing back then. And then you start another song and put it in another spot that, and you record from that point on and you call yourself mixing those songs together. So that's basically how I started mixing. Yeah. yeah and, then I, uh, and then I started hanging out with uh, some other DJs and I went to this event in Michigan called uh, Hell. It was in Hell, Michigan. There's a town called Hell, Michigan. <laughs> and uh, we went there. They had this big old huge festival. It's like going to... Uh, for lack of better word, um, Tomorrow World. It was like going to that. It's like one of the originals. And uh, we would go there, and I met this uh, DJ. Her name was Stacy Hale and uh, Elton Withers. Stacy was just here over the weekend, too. And um, Elton Withers, and um, we started um, hanging out, and they were DJs there at the time. They were just breaking out into the business. And um, that's where I started hanging out with them and checking them out and seeing what they were doing. And I uh, stayed with them for a little while. And then I started hanging out in Chicago. And that's where I met Frankie Knuckles and all that good stuff. 
and the rest. Of God rest his soul. Ah, uh, I know. You like house music? I used to. I used to work at a uh, nightclub in Chicago. You may have heard of it called the Generator. Yeah, um, at the yeah, Generator, yeah. man, so yeah. much. I Frank still have cover there all the time. Yeah, I still at the old Generator or the one that when they moved it. Because they no, moved the, it. The, like, uh, well, originally it was called Stop and Drink. Yes. And then they moved it down onto Clark Avenue, I believe. Was yeah. Called? Yeah. And it was actually called the Generator. It was in a much larger space where you could actually dance. Yeah, I remember that club a lot. It had the the DJ's booth was behind the dance where you kind of went up yep. the steps in the back. Yep. Yeah, I remember yep. that place real well. That's cool. So, I was thinking, like, um, how long have you been DJing now? Uh, I'm 53 at this point, so a couple of decades. <laughs> I'm 40 years. Yeah, almost. Oh, okay. So, like, with that, you know, somebody was thinking about getting into DJing. Like, what sort of advice would you give them, the things that you've learned over the years? Learn how to mix. Um, literally. Um, most of the people that are DJing now are just pushing buttons. And that's kind of it's kind of a cool art if you don't know what you're doing. But, you know, everybody's not a DJ. If you don't know how to blend and mix, you know, from scratch, then you're not really that great of a DJ. Yeah. I was just thinking, like, the tools that are available now. Um, Makes it simple. Anybody can be a DJ. Right. Three can be DJs. But I was thinking, like, weren't DJs in the past using the most current technology as well, right? So, um, you know, you're using the best tools that you have at your disposal, that's true. Yeah, but you want to use it to their full capacity. So, you know, what do you see yeah, as the mistakes like people are making as far as, um, you know, you were saying like they're not mixing. What is it? Um, what do you have to do to mix, I guess, because I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, match, it's being able to match beats. Um, right. You should be able to um, take a song and what if, if somebody else is playing, you should be able to mix your song right into their beat. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, Opposed to that person stopping and then the next person starting up and here we go with the song. It right. should come out seamless. Yes. Right. Yeah. Supposed to, everybody's supposed to just flow and you should the music should never stop. Right. Yeah. I've noticed that too because I you were DJing at the house, right? Because I've, yeah. I've noticed that too. Like it is pretty cool. It just keeps going. <laughs> yeah, it just keeps going and going and and you know there's some points where you can make good break points and you know um, something will go on and. Then the next beat to come in. That's kind of cool. It's kind of creative, but I, I, you you just need to know how to mix. You need to know how to blend into music. That's my number one thing. Yeah. You know, you just can't push buttons um, all the time. Yeah. So, who would you say are your um, biggest influences as far as learning how to DJ and Frankie, you know? <laughs> Stacey <laughs> Hale, Elton Withers? Um, these are some DJs that again I hung out with. So, yeah. Frank was the biggest influence. When I was young, um, they used to sneak me into the bars and stuff. And so I would go into the bars and I carry the records. I got Frankie's records and I keep it moving. <laughs> and nobody would really notice or nobody would say too much. Right. So. Yeah. No, it is. And I'm sure it's also because you knew how to uh, how to handle yourselves. Oh yeah, well then. Because yeah. I've seen people get get snuck in before and then act a plum fool. Yeah, I was I was pretty much kind of more mature for my age because I didn't want to be thrown out. I wanted to be right up under them, so I would stay in the booth and I'd sit down and pay uh, pay attention basically. Yeah. 
So what would you say is like um, some of the biggest changes that you've seen over the years in house and just as a DJ, like um, basically the technology of it, um, mm-hmm. the way it's changed. I, I still do vinyl, so I'm still a vinyl fan. Um, so I'm still DJing vinyl. Actually, I don't even know how to do the other stuff. Um, I never even really learned. Um, probably by fault of my own. Um, but I think the truest sound is records anyway. Yeah, that's the truest sound. So the biggest change to me has been the um, the technology itself. It went from turntables to CD players to computers. Now, I mean, you don't even need anything. You just need a computer, a laptop, and some audio. Yeah, and run it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I yeah I've noticed that. Um, like I said, like the the latest technology. You know, at first you have to know your tools in order to you know make that creative leap like i said when we were um starting the the podcasting like i didn't know anything about you know the adobe audition and you know sound mixing or you know putting anything together but i mean that that knowledge is out there and um you know that's one of the things like i i'm interested in learning how people have um you know learned their tools to then unleash their creativity and like um because that's where I'm at right now. I'm still learning. Um, but So are you, know, you going to learn how to DJ soon? Oh, no, no. <laughs> I'm learning how to podcast. That's what I'm... But I say I learn from doing. You know what I'm saying? Um, I don't think... I guess when I, when I think about someone getting into any sort of creative act is like, um, don't let your limitations stop you from starting. You know? Um, oh, absolutely. You're never too old to learn. Yeah. Nope. Because there are some very different um, uh, branches on the house tree, right? What are some of your favorites? Um, I like dubstep. Um, I like uh, disc. I actually still like disco. Um, okay. Uh, I do like some tech. Um, there's a few things out there that I like uh, as far as the tech sound, but I'm mainly soul house, deep house, that type of thing. That's mainly my, my genre of it. And I still go to Chicago and buy records. At Gramophone. Um, Gramophone <laughs> Records up on yeah. Clark Street, yes. Absolutely. Um, yeah, earlier this summer. Who are some of your favorite, um, uh, what, what do you call those people? The ones that do the remixes. Oh, Derek Carter for sure. Okay. Derek Carter is great. Um, I like him. I like... Uh, Frankie, when he was here, he did a lot of stuff. Um, who else I like? I like uh, DJ Mess. He's kind of new. So I, I'm starting to like some of his stuff. Um, Basement Jacks, definitely. Uh, like those guys. They come up with some really interesting things. I do like Basement Jacks. Yeah, they come up with some good And I love their logo. Yeah. <laughs> and, the, the logo is a guy with a basically a high-top fade. Yep. And he's getting it cut off with a with a vinyl. Oh, the vinyl's kind of flying through the air and cutting off the top of his high cup fade. <laughs> That's cool. What would you say is one of one of the um, an album that you could say listen to all the way from beginning to end? Um, and That's how. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't think of one right now. Because everything I, I, I go, I think singly mm-hmm. when it comes to how 
music. Um, I don't really think of one particular album right. per se. Yeah. Know, so, what is his name? Jazz Mopper. Okay. Jazz Mopper J. I could actually listen to him all the way through. He's got some that, great. I've not heard of before. You haven't heard of him? No. Uh, you got to look him up. He does actually. He takes a lot of remix stuff, a lot of old stuff that we've heard already, like uh, like um, Max uh, uh, Maxwell. He's got a couple okay. of joints him that he's remixed. Um, uh, Quentin Harris is another one. Um, he does a lot of stuff um, that I could probably listen through all the way through. They're starting to flood in now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Quentin Harris is really good. He's done a lot of stuff, a lot of soulful house stuff. Um, you ever heard of Trina? He does a lot of Trina stuff. Okay. Yeah, uh, Trina Broussard. Okay, yeah. yeah. Who else? He's done um, quite some more Maxwell stuff he's done. He's done uh, a lot of your pop artists, pop and soul R&B artists. There's a lot of, between those two, they do a lot of stuff. Yeah. So I could listen to them all the way through. Yeah. So I was thinking, um, you know, I guess different areas have different um, styles, I suppose. I'm, I'm just putting it out there. I was wondering, like, what what areas have you DJed in and what are some of the differences that you've um, I've been pretty much all over the country. Um, pretty much everybody has, like you say, they do have their different sounds. Um, here, they're more soulful and, 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 and R&B-ish and loungy sounding. Um, you go to places like Brazil and things like that, they're more drums, African uh, uh, sounds. Um, a lot of drums, a lot of tribal beats, uh, things of that nature. Um, you go out towards LA, Probably more technical, uh, tech house that kind of that kind of sound, very European, we'll say. Okay. So you've been in. Um, how long have you been in Atlanta now? Uh, I've been here almost eighteen years. Okay. So I've been here quite a while, and I just started really getting back into the scene within the last five years or so. If you want to, because you know, <clears throat> he was he wanted to. You know, like I said, he real big on the LGBT too. So if you want to just continue that conversation right there, we can add that all into the one episode. You know. Yeah. Cause he he real big on that too. Yeah. So. Um, I just want to know where you got the thought I was gonna beat you up. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, they they. Not that you. I said I was or wasn't. I, just, <laughs> I like my beat ups to be a surprise. <laughs> I just heard you said you ain't you ain't like some stuff I said. I mean, but you know, I'm, I'm always learning. You know what I'm saying? Because it's some things I don't learn. And, and I, I just want to clear one thing. When I was talking about men being in the bathroom and pedophile, I wasn't talking about gay men. I was talking about straight. Oh no, I know. No, you know what? No, I know you weren't. And I listened to the whole thing. And I, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to do this was because I just thought there was some information that you were not necessarily getting that you didn't know. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. So, no, I, I, yeah, I didn't take offense to anything you said. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm all down with learning. Like I was telling him, I did, it's a lot that I really don't know, like about the, like the Stonewall uh, riots. I didn't know yeah. about that, you know. And <clears throat> I was telling him, like, you know, I got a friend that I don't know what we identify as, you know, but he... Yeah, uh, that's, yeah that's what, that was one of the other things that, that struck me. Um, there's a guy 
that I know. He's a comic book writer. And he um, he told me this story once about a friend of his who came out. There was a group, of, a circle of friends. And he came out to everybody but the, but the writer. And so when the writer asked me, he said, so you had this whole big thing happen in your life and you never said anything to me about it. You, you know, you never, you, you never pulled me aside and told me, why did you do that? And he said that the friend told him, well, it's because you're homophobic. Which kind of struck the writer real deep. He was like, no, I'm not. He said, yeah, you are. He said, have you ever actually listened to some of the jokes that you tell just offhandedly? You are extremely homophobic and I didn't feel comfortable telling you. And the writer decided that then and there, he was going to make it a point to learn better and do better and be better. Yeah, so, like <clears throat> yeah, so it's, 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 it's not always about where you are in your knowledge. It's about where you allow yourself to go. Yeah. Like, like, um, like the house in the park when I was talking about that, like, I, matter of fact, I went with, um, with Larry. And it was a different experience, but it, it was fun, you know? Like, it mm -hmm. was just, it was thousands of people, and they was in there, like, they was getting it. Like, I'm talking about, I'm talking about, it was this one dude, he was real big, but I'm talking about the man had to dance for three hours straight, man. Like, no lie. Yeah. And, and, and like, the dance floor. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it was, it's, it's funny. Like, and when I be hanging with Larry, like, we had fun. Like, we went to the, um, what's that thing we went to, uh, that that thing with um what's the name was in uh that club no 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 the uh, pony was in the oh, play that play listen listen we went to the play like i'm talking about like we was there kicking it was it was like a lot of fun and it's crazy because if you were seeing how he was up there dancing with the girls you wouldn't even think like nothing you would think that he was straight and man like we kick it like all the time man we go do stuff you know hang out and everything and, and most of the time, the uh, the parties that you were at were mostly straight people were there anyway. Okay, okay, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. This this was this this had to be like five years ago. Yeah, it about five years, and I think it's bigger now than what it was then. Yeah, you know that was one it's of those huge. things I, I was thinking about. Like House in the Park hasn't it had some controversy about like people making it like a family event, and some people feeling like I guess too much of a LGBT influence or. Yeah. No, not at all. Actually, not really? No, there were kids all over the place. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, I, 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 a bunch of kids. There were a bunch of gay people. There were a bunch of straight people. Everybody was having fun. It wasn't like um, Pride Weekend at Club Rain. Because <laughs> 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 at Club Rain, there were 17 fights or something like that. It was ridiculousness. Yeah. All weekend long, these people were going nuts. I said, you mean to tell me these gay people cannot get along for a few hours? They were out there swinging like it was like they were at, at, at the OK Corral or something. It was. Yeah. 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 And, and Jimmy, you said something else about um, the peacefulness of the the peacefulness of the gay gatherings and such. Yeah. And I think you. I, I, how do I say this? I think you caught them on a good day. <laughs> no, I mean it's, it's definitely the music. Um, they were playing house music. People were happy. They were dancing. There was a room full of love. Um, yeah. 
you you go to these these little other spots like the Club Rain, and they're playing all this hip hop music, and these people are going mad. Everything, it, they're, they're, everything is high, high intensity going on, and and people are just stranger when it comes to hip hop than house. It's it's a total different atmosphere. They probably do more drugs too, though. No, they was doing about the same amount of drugs. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. when I when I worked at the generator, there was heavy drug rotation going yeah. on. Yeah. But everybody was in love. They wanted to touch, feel, and, and be in love. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it was, yeah. It was really, the downside, the downside to that is when love goes horribly wrong. Yeah. Um, That's another business. That's usually the next morning. <laughs> no, sometimes it's that night. Um, do you remember the clubhouse? It yep, was. I remember clubhouse. From Upstairs and downstairs in the basement down there. Yes, yes. Worked at the clubhouse? No, that was one of the first clubs I went to. Uh, But the generator, because here was the thing. There was only a finite amount of business you were going to have in Chicago. And everybody rushes to the next next best thing. So for a while there was a fight between the generator and the clubhouse for business. And as the generator won out, the clubhouse decided to vary itself. And it started um, catering to a more lesbian crowd. Uh-huh. And there was a night there where two girls, they were lovers. Uh, one of them, I guess, was dancing with some ho- with, with Becky. Oh, my God. <laughs> with the good hair. <laughs> and her lover saw her. Dancing with Becky and decided, yeah, okay, you have um, disrespected me for the last time. And she stormed out, and the girlfriend ran after her and caught up to her just as she got to the car. There were harsh words said. The one girl that was in the car um, put the car in drive and rolled over her lover. Oh, damn. And put the car in reverse, backed up over her. Uh, just in case she missed. Right. And then put the car in drive, <laughs> rolled over her kid, and drove off. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, that's no worse than when that guy ran straight into the uh, door at the generator. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, you, didn't think, you didn't think we remembered that, huh? <laughs> oh, God, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it was, it was funny. I think um, we were kind of talking about... Um, um, between Mark and I, we were trying to come up with some topics for this Sunday, and um, he had heard story. I haven't seen them myself, but he had heard stories about um, violence or um, ratchetness or whatever you want to call it during uh, Pride Weekend in Atlanta. I haven't actually seen it. Um, I haven't heard it myself, but I think the conclusion that he drew was that he felt like people were taking isolated incidents and blowing it up and trying to make it like, you know, are the ratchets destroying pride or something like that. <laughs> but I think that, but they, but they're all, but here's the thing. They're all isolated incidents. Right. right. You rarely have a pride where you don't have a fight or something. Mm-hmm. Again, it's especially in Atlanta, but, but everywhere it's hot. It's a lot of people. People are stepping over each other. Nerves get frayed. You know, emotions are running high, and then you got two, three people fighting. Right. But it's usually quashed very quickly. Right. You know, and then the party, and five minutes later, you don't know that anything has happened, and the party continues. Yeah. But it's not, it's not, 
pride. It is gatherings. You find that at, at many gatherings. You family reunions, folks get into fights. Yeah. Yeah, I almost got into a fight at a own way. See? <laughs> I was drunk. And though. then there was my friend who was whose friend whose mother was caught in the shootout at the funeral. Oh shit. Yeah. Where that was at? Yeah, uh, in Chicago. Dang. <laughs> This this was many years ago, but yeah, she 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 was ducking and diving under cars and, and chairs and shit. Cause yeah, yeah, one person in the family got to it with the other person in the family. Then suddenly they had drew on each other, and then it was just shooting. Holy shit! Yeah, that's that would be unforgettable. Uh, but um, I think one of the questions I had um we did for M three once was um. What do you think is the primary cause or source of homophobia? People don't understand. People Ignorance. don't know. Yeah. yeah, they don't get it, uh, and didn't take the time to bother to try to learn about it. Yeah, like, and the cool thing about it is it has nothing to do with them at all. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, you know, it's funny. I actually, um, I've been because of the podcast, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts, and I ran into this podcast called The Art of Manliness. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, and it just talks about masculinity and from like, I don't know, on a host of different subjects. And they had this psychologist come in and talk about somewhat, some, an idea of where some maybe homophobia originates in socialization of children, um, especially like male children, um, I forget. Okay, so one of the things they said was that, you know, boys and girls play very differently. Um, boys try to stay away from authority figures while girls will stay closer to, like, parents and teachers and such. And, you know, you can see at a very young age that boys don't want to play with girls. Like, they, if they do, they're going to be somewhat, um, I guess, violent or aggressive toward girls. And somewhat effeminate boys like they almost grouped them together um and i guess the way they described it was i guess they used it as a form of group cohesion in a sense that um and and basically they're saying that homophobia and i guess misogyny are very closely aligned you know i can see that yeah i'm just saying just saying that a lot of times um people aren't necessarily I don't know how to how to put it because I, I don't I can't remember it completely but because I didn't want to mischaracterize it but my gist of it was that you know homophobia has a lot more to do with sexism than and misogyny than with homosexuality itself it's just like a a, a lessening um value of women in a sense um because, yeah, they were talking about that with, like, don't ask, don't tell, and women in the military are very, are both very controversial issues, you know. It's coming up earlier of, um, I don't know, following politics as well, it's something I do. Um, they had this commander-in-chief forum, and they asked Donald Trump this question about um, a comment he made about women in the military and unreported rapes of women, and he said, this is one of these quotes that he had was, well, this is what happens when you integrate women into the military. You're going to get women who are getting raped, you know. Um, 
Which is, of course, just, you know, Donald Trump. But anyway. <laughs> but, well, now, and I know it's going to sound like I'm defending Donald Trump, but I'm not because I haven't had a stroke. <laughs> um, but I will say this, that in, in this time and place and history that we live in now, he's kind of right. No. You know, we don't, and, and it's not a black thing, it's not a white thing, it's a people thing. We don't respect women. You know, as a whole, we do not respect women. The kid that just, you know, the, the swimmer at Stanford that raped the girl and got two months. Yeah. Got six got six months that was knocked down to three months, and he only actually served two months because, hey, this might affect his future. And what about her future? Well, fuck her future. She shouldn't have got drunk. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's our mindset. So, yeah, in that, Donald Trump, throw up a little bit of my mouth to say it, <laughs> is absolutely right. <laughs> you know, when you do introduce women into a male-oriented system that does not always recognize, do you, do you know that when you go to the VA, there are certain women issues that still aren't coded in their medical computers. Yeah. Yeah. There are certain things that women deal with that just, that there's no code for in the medical computers at the VA. Yeah, I remember actually I was listening to something else about diagnosing certain illnesses that there are no studies done on women because they didn't start, you know, like no comprehensive studies that go back, say, beyond the 70s or 80s. Because before then they just had men as, you know, as research subjects, um, which is kind of like mind blowing. <laughs> it's like, oh, we're but just... women are second. Women are second class citizens. Yeah. You know, anytime you're not even, anytime you're doing the same work a man is doing, and you're only making seventy seven cents on the dollar. Yeah, you're a second class citizen. Yeah. yeah. That means a lot of black people too, huh? That's yeah. well, yeah. That, I feel I I really feel bad for women of color. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, because they really are on the, the 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 lower rung of the of the ladder. Mm. Yeah. We we did this video um, not too long ago about like the Orlando shooting, and um, it is like one of the the largest hate crimes in American history. I think it is the largest. Like if you look at it as a hate crime, um, you know, um, and people not wanting to say it's a hate crime or saying that it was targeting. Um, the LGBT community, you know? yeah, I don't know how they could not say that. I right, <laughs> it was absolutely that. Right, and uh, because he didn't go in there screaming "faggot, faggot, faggot," right? Because oh, well, that's that's, I, that's that's. I guess with a gun in your hand and shooting at people, I guess you don't need to really say "faggot" there, do you? <laughs> that's true, but that's but that's the criteria that they use. Right, uh, four uh, white men yeah. beat up a black man, but because nobody called him a nigger, it wasn't a hate crime. Yeah, uh, uh, but he now, still got beat up. He still got beat up. The fact that they had the, uh, the, 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 what you call it, flag, you know, swinging out the back of their pickup truck uh, that they jumped out of and everything means nothing because they uh, didn't call him out of his name. He yeah. didn't say Nick. They didn't say nigga, so it wasn't really a hate crime. Yeah. We can't prove it was a hate crime. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember we talked about it and, um, there was a video i can't remember somebody who had released it um talking about you know men in his fraternity not not speaking up against it 
and um, we use it as the title of a video. So we see you in your silence in the sense that um, you have all these other things to say about um, violence and, you know, um, you know, other forms of police brutality, um, all these other social issues. And then this, the worst hate crime in American history happens and you have absolutely nothing to say. And, you know, the, the connection that he drew was that sympathy for the LGBT community question their sexuality in some way, or just even sort of, um, you know, identifying or empathizing with the hurt that was being, you know, cause I, you know, I went through it when that happened, you know, um, personally, like I, uh, you know, I think it's, it's just as much as I, when, um, I saw the, you know, the video of Philando Castile and Alton Sterling, I was, you know, affected emotionally. Um, but, you know, saying that, you know, this guy was just saying that these uh, black men in his fraternity were not showing sort of empathy for other members in the black community because they were gay, you know. Well, I don't know if, and and, and I mean, I'm sure that's part of it. Mm -hmm. I have run into some homophobic people who, you know, five years later, you found them in the club doing various sundry things and being quite happy about it. Um, right. But it also goes back to... it. This actually rolls around to something else that I wanted to address that you all were talking about mm. on one of the other podcasts. Please. When you were talking about Donald Trump and how it seemed like he didn't particularly have anything against black people. You know, he was against Muslims and Mexicans and all these other different branches, but he didn't particularly have anything against black people. Well, first of all, let me say he's still got uh, he's still got two things in court right now. Uh, uh, um, these two civil suits have been brought up against him for not opening his home, his housing to black people. So, yeah. But here's the, the other thing. And I wanted to read this because I had to look it up. I'd heard it before. Um, and it goes. First they came for the socialists and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me. And there was no one left to speak for me. <laughs> this quote is from Martin, I'm going to get his name wrong, Nimolier. Um, he was a prominent Protestant pastor who spoke out against the Nazis and Adolf Hitler. Yeah. Um, we are very divided in ourselves that that you know well he's against muslims well he's against mexicans he's against people of color you know whether he himself actually is whether he himself actually is just for the purposes of running winning an election whatever when he speaks ill of my mexican brother he is speaking ill of me yeah, when 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 these black organizations, these black fraternities don't speak up for the LGBT community because, well, you know, that's just them fags over there. Then, you know, you're not, we, we're kind of all in this together. We're all a minority in some form or respect. Right. 
you know, and the better that you do for me, the better you do for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Kanye, which is another name that just tastes horrible coming off my tongue. Kanye West released that thing last week about Obama hasn't done enough for black people. I disagree with that. Obama has done many, many things. Not for black people. He did them for everybody. But those he, things that he did encompasses the black community. You know, the 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 the, the health care act, the 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 the, the um the Paid Act, the Leave Act, all these acts he did, he didn't do them for black people. He did them for Americans, and we're included in that. Right. You know, so no, he didn't come out and specifically say, well, you black, you get this. You black, everybody that's black, look, look, look under your chair because you got something. You get a car. You get a car. <laughs> you get a right. <laughs> he said, okay, people need shit. Black, yeah. blue, white, green, purple, orange. People need shit. Let's do this. Yeah. We we have to. This, this country is supposed to be. Is supposed to be. You know, based on the whole melting pot. Now, granted, you know, it's a great thing to say, considering you didn't start off that way. Right. But if that's what you're gonna be about, then be about that. Right. Yeah. I had this article that I posted. Um, that says why Walmart became LGBT friendly. And he went into the history, like, you know, the fact that the company has um, opened up some of its policies on um, LGBT rights, you know, recognizing, uh, you know, same-sex couples and benefits and things like that, uh, even though it's a very conservative company. Um, and the reason being is that it was in their financial interest to do so. Yes. Um, and they were saying, like, just generally speaking in, you know, when you look at laws versus corporations, you know, it's interesting to see that companies have been championing LGBT rights much faster than governments have simply because it benefits them financially. <laughs> yes. Uh, it is it's just an interesting trend. And I'm just wondering, like... Um, yeah, I don't. I'm not exactly sure what question that was going to come from. That it's just an interesting observation, I guess, um, because Walmart is based in Arkansas, which is not exactly a blue state. <laughs> it is not. No. And in fact, they were saying like, even though they might have these company-wide, you know, um, pro-LGBT policies, or at least they're not anti-LGBT policies. Um, you know, internally they are still just as bigoted as possible. And, um, you know, then they listed off some other companies that did the same thing. Um, they said like Apple, Yelp, PayPal, Disney, um, Andy's List, or some of these companies that, um, you know, have done, you know, very much, you know, pro-LGBT policies. Um, to me, it drew a stark contrast between homophobia as a personality trait versus a policy, you know, because you can be personally homophobic and still publicly have this, you know, equal rights policy agenda, you know? Yes. And, um, and I guess the thing I'm looking for most of the time is just for the policy agenda, you know, per people's personal opinions, you know, 
or they have their right to, you know, for the most part. I'm just like, you know, I also have the right not to fuck with you, you know. <laughs> just like, <laughs> you know, you can think what you want. I'm not trying to uh, moderate anyone's personal beliefs, I guess. That's what I mean. Maybe a conclusion I was drawing from it. Because um, you can think of what you want as long as I get my fair shake, you know. I also want to talk about the North Carolina bathroom thing. Okay, okay. My question is, what did North Carolina do before they came up with this idea? This oh, have, have bathrooms. Right, exactly. Are there are transgender people there then going into these bathrooms? There are transgender people <laughs> going into these bathrooms. I'm just curious. I don't know. Somebody... <laughs> oh, now all of a sudden it's this big deal. Me personally, I think it's a smokescreen for something bigger. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Uh, so I don't know what this bathroom thing is. Um, people Transgendered have been going in these bathrooms for years. Nobody's had an issue. Now all of a sudden it's an issue. People so, die. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But, Jimmy, you said you have five daughters. Yeah, I got uh, three boys and five daughters. Okay. And you were concerned about your girls being in the bathroom with a, not a transgender, because you were very clear, not a it's transgender not person, someone who is pretending to be transgender. No, 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 no. Because they, they said if you identify as a woman, you can go in the bathroom. That means a man too, right? Or or just transgender. That's So maybe I got to confuse. I thought, well, I thought the, I, the law is what you identify as. Um, yes. But it's where do I get on this slippery slope? <laughs> um, generally, it is pers- It is someone who is beginning their transition, who is somewhere in their transition. Okay, but it couldn't be like nobody like me or you, right? Yeah. Okay, see that. See that's why I was confused. Yeah, I'm like never gonna walk up to a, a, a you know a women's room and say, oh, I you know I identify as a woman because there's nothing about me that is woman identified. Right. Okay. You okay. Know? You, um, ain't, you ain't even wearing a wig. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I ain't supposed to be a woman. All that facial hair. Right. That's, that's <laughs> so hard to be. Um, but yeah, they have used that whole thing about kids getting it's very easy to get people on your side once you start there there was a a character on Mrs. Lovejoy on The Simpsons who before she died would it was either Mrs. Lovejoy or Nettie's wife I can't remember anyway her her catchphrase was what what about the children (laughs) and you can always get people on board when you start talking about the children and it's not that I don't want to keep our children safe. I know you do. I can't imagine how scary it is out here. You are a parent of eight children, and you you know, are probably very happy when you look up at night and you can count all eight heads. Yeah. Um, but, how, but here's my question. How many children were getting attacked in the bathrooms before this shit started? And you see, that's what Malcolm was saying, because he said, you know, what would change? You know what I'm saying? Because I guess I never heard of it. Right. You hear about more, hear about more right. people getting kidnapped like like at Walmart or something than in the Brazil. Yes. Yes. Back to my because opening statement. What happened at this point that all of a sudden that these transgender people were going in these bathrooms raping these children? Yes. Where did that happen? Right. 
Yeah, I do feel like it was, um, yeah, a smokescreen, a misdirect. Um, you know, and just kind of like when we were talking like voter ID laws um, being used, you know, this idea of voter fraud yeah. to try to get voter ID laws. And, you know, the basic calculus for Republicans is lower turnout always hurts Democrats more than Republicans. Yeah, Republicans. So you don't even have to necessarily target black people. Just make a law that makes it harder for people to vote. Lower turnout means we get more um, we get more votes generally. Which again is one of our basic it's supposed to be one of our basic rights. Right. You know, and and it's funny to me the things that we get as a as a as a country that we get ratchet ratcheted up about. You know, as opposed to the stuff that we let go. Um, these 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 states want to impose these voter right laws. Oh, okay, well, you know. They want to stop voter fraud. How much voter fraud has there been? Well, none really, but we need to address this. But then you have, um, what's the same? Can't think of his name right now because I'm old and I get tired easy. Uh, Who's not standing for the national anthem. And motherfuckers are losing their mind. Colin Kaepernick, yeah. Did you see? No, it was another guy uh, when they did the national anthem last night. Um, He played for Denver. Mm -hmm. He took they yeah. going crazy about that. Yeah, he's got other people. I think Colin Kaepernick started it in a preseason like game. He sat down, and then um, yeah, other people have um, followed up on it. But you know, the aftermath of him doing this was people in the uh, NFL commentators, obviously, like the internet blew up. But actual officials in the NFL were comparing him to child c- killers. You know, like there was an NFL player who um, had his you know, girlfriend and unborn child killed and said he was worse than him, you know, which is crazy because he just stayed seated when the national anthem was played. Um, crazy, crazy. <laughs> just like out of this world. Yeah. I mean, people will blow up something, little something into, you know, into everything. And it, it makes no sense. Yeah. Cause I used to be homophobic, right? I used to be homophobic, but it's because I um I got molested as a kid. And I mean by by uh a family member, right? I got molested a few times, you know, but that's just the one that everybody know about. But it's like I was homophobic, but then when I had uh I met my uh my friend, my friend um the one that I said turned into a trans transsexual. Mm-hmm. And but he was still a guy then. So I used to get mad at him and like and like when I met him, I got I, I used to get mad at him and I was like, oh you faggot, ah, that's and that. Like then he just like one day said, listen man, he said I'm not the one that because I told him what happened to me though. So he's like I'm not the one that did that to you. And he said everybody that's gay is not like the person that did that to you. You know what I'm saying? He said like man, you can't take out what happened to you on everybody else. You know, and then like he had, it was more to the conversation, but he just sat me down and had had a conversation with me and let me know like, is everybody is not going to be like that? How the person was that did that to you when you was younger, and so once like ever since then, like I've been cool, like you know I I ain't homophobic, I'm cool, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, like I like I was saying before, I'd rather hang with gay people, the people that that I know is gay that I hang with. They ain't out there trying to get in no fights or, you know, beefing with nobody, nothing like that. They trying to, you know, have a good time. They trying to chill. 
you know so it, but it basically took for me the the um meet somebody that wasn't like the person that did that to me for me not to be homophobic no more yeah you know like like when i saw the bathroom like i said i wasn't talking about no no gay men or no transsexual i was talking about straight people that you know go looking for kids but like like you and like y'all both said when have when do you when have you ever heard about a child getting um messed messed on you know you know you know what i'm talking about yeah you've heard about that in the bathroom though you know yeah well jimmy first of all let me say i'm very sorry that that happened to you um yeah i'm just and i and and the older i get the more stories like that that i hear um yeah that's just that's that's rough and it's even rougher when there's nobody you can turn to to help for that um yeah so i i i am really sorry to hear that and the crazy thing about it was that like he um they still let him come around and everything you know so i'm looking at i was mad at everybody you know what i'm saying you know, I, and, and it kind of you, you told and see, I didn't tell because I didn't want nobody to think I was gay, right? Because I didn't okay. like to this day, I'm not gonna lie, I don't know what happened. I never found I was asleep, and when I woke up, my pants was down. You know, so, but um, I don't know what happened. You know, but when I uh, but my cousin had told because I guess my cousin seen what happened. You know, and um, he told, and then you know they took me to the hospital. He had. Did whatever test they did they said he didn't penetrate me so i don't know what he did you know i don't know like i like i said i don't know what he did like when i was asleep but and when he did it like he was still coming to the house so it's like it kind of it kind of messed me up you know i started getting in trouble you know started being rebellious towards my mother you know what i'm saying and it's like because i was angry but yes. I, I wasn't angry i was angry with everybody because like i didn't want to go to jail or nothing but keep him away from me at least, you know what I'm saying? And he was still spending the night. You know, when he spent the night, I wouldn't sleep like like where I was. I still had like the room in the basement. So all everybody would be in the basement. I just started staying away from him. And I tried to fight him before. I couldn't beat him, you know, because he was older. You know, he was older. And it's just like, I just started getting rebellious. Like, I feel like if somebody would at least addressed it, like I said, I ain't want him to get locked up or nothing, but somebody would at least, I wanted him to get some help. You know what I'm saying? But somebody would at least addressed it, and then I, I don't think I would have gotten in so much trouble. You know what I'm saying? When I was younger, I don't. I mean, I ain't got no felonies or nothing. So, you know, but I, I have caught felony cases. I beat them, but still, you know, it's like I just didn't care. You know, my mother was a cop, and I just like, okay, she's a cop, so I'm gonna sell drugs. You know, I'm not supposed to carry guns, but I'm gonna carry one anyway. You know, it's like I just started doing all these things. You know, to rebel towards my mother. Because I, I was mad at I was mad at her, but then I was mad at gay people. But it, it wasn't the gay people that did it. It was just one person. You know what I'm saying? No, I understand. Even gay? No, I think he's gay now. I don't. You know, but but I heard that he had got molested. I think when he got molested, it was like the same thing. Nobody, nobody like you know did nothing to the person that you know what I'm saying right. did nothing to the. So I like now when I get older, like I still don't speak to him. But I kind of, I kind of um, understand why he did it because you gotta think about it. if he was molested and nobody did nothing, what else? What else could he do? It's a vicious cycle. Yeah, yeah. you know, 
I mean, I didn't go out and mess with no kids, but you know, it's but my uncle was telling me, he said, Man, I think that's why you got all them kids, because what happened to you? You know what I'm saying? Like I was trying to find something. I, I don't know. I just had a lot of demons, man. And it's it's like it was because of that. And then like I didn't want to go talk to no psychiatrist. I just wanted to talk to my mother. But it's just like when he kept coming around, it's like, okay, I probably still could have talked to her. It, it just probably would have took a conversation. You know, I just started, like I said, I just started acting out. I started doing everything I wasn't supposed to do. Yeah. Uh, a typical PK kid. What's PK? Uh, Preacher's kid. Preacher's oh. kid. <laughs> yeah, Same thing. No, you do um, doing. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, no, I'm done. Go I'm done. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh. Um, wow. And yet, not wow because this happens i mean it's 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 almost like a form letter where you just fill in the person's name i i have a few friends who were uh molested at an early age and i don't i i don't i don't know again i'm not a parent so I can only say what I think I might do in that situation. Um, but I've heard the story one too many times of parents who kind of, they decide to not, to pretend like it didn't exist. Um, I had a friend whose uncle molested him and the parents found out and the uncle was living with them and they put him out. But they never talked to the kid about it. They never talked to my friend about what had happened to him, you know? It was a very much, okay, well, that happened. You need to just move past it, get over it situation. Like, I um, think my mom... Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, no, I was saying, I think my mother said something to his mother. But, yeah. you know, it was just, I needed, I just needed somebody to talk to, you know? You needed somebody so, to be there for you. Yeah, yeah, you your know, so she... Are, your parents' job, and this I know, your parents' job is to protect you. And when that doesn't, when that that basic life fundamental doesn't happen, there's a breakdown. There's a breakdown. You know, I was raised by my grandmother. My father, my mother and father got divorced when I was a year old, and apparently it was a very, very bad, harsh, violent divorce. And so I guess my mother spent needed to spend her time recovering and discovering who she was. And my father was, you know, he was my father. That's the best I can say about him right now. He gave me height, for which I'm very appreciative. Um, that's funny. You know, that's I, I, that's that's all I can really say about the guy. I've seen, I, I, I've spent time with him. You know, I, I say that if I met my parents at a job, I would be friends with my mother. I probably would not be friends with my father. You know, it's crazy because my dad, my dad was around, right? My dad passed away, but, you know, he was around, but it's like my mother just sent me to him for discipline, so I didn't really like my father, you know? But then it's like when I turned, like, uh, 18, you know? Yeah, about 18, me and my dad got, like, real, real close. We have parallel lives. We have totally parallel lives. <laughs> it's, it's like, you know, he, uh, we got close when he was 18, when I was 18, but then he died when I was 20. Oh. So so I'm thinking like, okay, for 17 years, 
you know, not 17, let's say from from 13 to 17, I didn't like my father. You know what I'm saying? I agree. But, but then it's like, when, when I turned 18, that was my best friend, you know? Like, that, that was my dog right there, you know? And then it's like, he died two years later. And, and it's like, I'm 33 now. You know, I'm 33 now. My dad, on, he died Christmas Eve, 2000. You know, so it's like every, you know, and then it's crazy because my birthday, May 18th, is May 5th. So every time around his birthday and every time around Christmas, I got an attitude. And, and the crazy thing about it, it's not like I just be like, okay, I'm going to have an attitude around this time. I instantly get an attitude, not even thinking about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I lost my father Christmas Eve, like, my my Christmas will never be the same for me. You know what I'm saying? I, but I, I try to enjoy it because I got kids. But it's like, my dad was the person I can go talk to. And now he gone and it's like, what can I do? You know what I'm saying? I You know, I rap. So I done made 30, 40 rest in peace on. I, I, you know, that ain't going to bring him back, you know? But it, then it's like, the person that I, I needed to talk to is gone, you know? And I probably, like I said, I could, probably could have talked to my mother, but instead of trying to talk to her, I was I was just being rebellious. You know what I'm saying? But again, it's 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 that thing that got set up. You could talk to her, but then when something happened and I really needed you, you weren't yeah. there. You know, yeah. you you and you take you take that on. My mother and I are great friends now. You mind me too? Yeah, that's that's how it is. Like me and my mother. Like one, this is the crazy thing about it. me. Like I love my mother so much because it's like, um, like I said, she was always there for me. But it's just that not when I needed to talk. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I, talk, I had the, I had the best of everything. I never had to do none of the stuff I did. I had the best of everything. But buying me stuff wasn't, you know, wasn't like I just needed to talk. But then I, I, I can probably say it kind of probably was my fault. Cause like I said, I was being rebellious instead of trying to talk to. No, you. it wasn't. No, you can't. You can't take that upon yourself. Yeah. That again is a parent's job to be there, to to be open. To be, there was a part of you, and and this is all. Again, this is all armchair psychologists and just me having talked to many people that this has happened to. There was a part of you. That said, I can't talk to her because this huge thing happened to me, and there was no discussion about it. Yeah, so then it's like yeah, I didn't want to talk. To you at a young, and that happened to you at a young age. I remember trying to talk to my mother about you know certain things, and um, I, I think I was eleven or twelve, something, and I got thrown out of a store by security because he accused me of stealing. Now, my grandmother was old school Southern, you know. Um, don't 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 lie. If you lie, you cheat. If you cheat, you steal. If you steal, you kill. And I ain't have no killers up in my house, you yeah. know. If I ever catch you stealing, I'm just gonna break your hand. And she did that shit. I mean, you know, she wasn't exaggerating. So I I didn't steal. The the thought of stealing something and her catching me and finding out made me nauseous. So I grew up with that whole don't accuse me of something that I didn't do mentality. And this guy threw me out the store and I went home and I was almost in tears and I called my mother because we weren't living at the same place. And I called my mother and I said, the man threw me out the store and he accused me of stealing. And she said, 
well, do you need anything else from the store today? I said, no. She said, well, you just don't go back to that. Okay. But that ain't what I needed. Right. What I needed yeah. was for you to, because I was with a friend of mine who was not stealing either. And when we got, we went to his house first. His mother threw us in the car and drove up there. And she's like, why are you throw my child out? He was like, I didn't throw your child out. I threw the big one out. He was the one that was stealing. And, you know, and Miss Brooks told me, well, you need to go home and call your mother. And I called her, and, and she did not do what Miss Brooks did. She yeah, did not show difference. up for me. That makes a big you know, difference. It makes a huge difference. And my mother got, you know, well, she don't even remember that. You know, it, again, it's this huge thing that happened in my life. And she does not recall that. Yeah. How long did it take you to, um, like, how long did it take you to get cool with your mom since you, like, couldn't talk to her when you needed to? We had been working on our relationship for, since I, I'm 40, I'll be 44 next week. Um, we've been working on our relationship since I was 20. And there's been a lot of stop and go, stop and go, stop and go, because she has had to come to some realizations herself before we could go any further. Yeah. Um, she married him. She got remarried. She married a man who told her up front. Yeah, I don't like Derek. You know, he knew my father. Apparently he didn't care for my father. And so that passed on to me. But she married him anyway. You know, and the, 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 from the day of the wedding, everything was just, it's her and her husband and his kids and there's me. Yeah. Um, I, I ain't with that, man. If you got to set my kids, if not, then I can't. Her, her thing was, and her thing was, God bless her. You know, she was being a little naive. Her thing was, he will grow to love you. He will grow to like you because you're a great person. You know, not realizing that his dislike of me was based in no rationale whatsoever. And it was stronger than any the, 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 the softening of his heart. Yes, that is correct. And he we we spent many years together. And, you know, Jimmy, like you, I was a straight eight I skipped the fifth grade. And they right. got married right after that. And right after that my grades went down and nobody put the correlation together. Yeah. Uh, see, you was one of them smart niggas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots of good got me now, but yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's it, it's been a work. It's been a constant work in progress, and there are days that you know we have to get off the phone and go to our separate corners yeah. and think about some stuff. Um, but we're at a place now where we can do that. Yeah. You know, and the next and the next big thing, I was talking to a friend of mine that I've known since high school a few weeks ago, who I guess I didn't realize she actually saw me going through a large part of this because there's a whole year in my high school life, my whole sophomore year, I don't remember anything. Hmm. I just I can't recall anything that year. They got divorced during my junior year, but yeah, my whole sophomore year. It's a blank. It's a complete and total blank. And she was telling me, Derek, you need to explore that. You need to write that down. And yeah, that's probably going to hurt your mother's feelings because it's going to be a large part of her. But it's something that you need to do because nobody should walk around with holes in their in their history. Yeah. 
Yeah, that makes sense. I was just going to say, like, this conversation got really deep. <laughs> I was going to say, you never know which direction a conversation is going to go in, but I was just like, wow, I'm sitting here, like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I taking drinks like man. But, 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 Jimmy, yeah, um, you, you, you needed, you needed her to be there, and she wasn't there, and you know that that's 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 a hard thing, and that does affect you for the rest of your life. Absolutely, because those are those form those are those formative years. Yeah, and it's it's crazy because like now me and my mother close, but you know we close not because of our relationship, but because she's there for my kids. You know. I, I guess she's seen because see, my mother had me at 15, you know, mm-hmm. so I guess, you know, she see the mistake she made with me and she, you know, like, you know, like we was talking with Malcolm, know, about my son's situation, you know, so it's like when I can't go see him, you know, if if she can, she goes and see him. Like, I'd be like, you know, he's stressed out because, you know, like he's stressed out or something like that. She'll, she'll go talk to him. You know, she's not going to she not going to sit there and try to baby him. You know, she's going to let him know when he wrong. But she'll sit there and she'll listen to him. This is a great thing about it. she'll listen to what his his issues is, you know, yeah. and and you know they'll they'll talk it out. And it's like I love her to death for that because even though you know that's what I I felt like I needed when I was little, but she's doing it with my kids, you know. So it's like I didn't get it, but I feel like it's it's still not too late because now her grand I think she's realized okay. He did all this because, you know, I wasn't there for him to talk to. You know, then when I got grown, like, you know how we go through relationship problems. Like, I'd be going through female problems, and I try to talk to her. She'd be like, don't nobody want to hear all that. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, don't nobody want to hear all have that. You, have, you ever, have you ever actually sat down and told her how you feel? Um, I may have told her, but maybe not, like, fully told her, you know. You and, like, that. I said... Like like now like like I said now though it's like like we close you know we close we yeah. close how we close how um me and my dad was you know and it's like like I like I said it's 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 not because of it's not like we fixed everything that needed to be fixed but she's there for my kids so much that it's like I don't even care about what happened to me because you know my kids need their grandmother and their grandmother there for them. Okay. No. But you deserve, and, and I and I completely understand that. But you deserve, you deserve to have a piece of that too. You deserve yeah. to have a piece of that too. And there's nothing wrong with, there's nothing wrong with telling her how you feel. I mean, as long you're not, you, I was going to say if you're not, as long as you're not angry or, but even if you are angry with her, you're allowed to be that. Now I didn't know that she had you at 15. You know, chances are she probably was not fully mentally equipped to deal with some shit that she had to deal with. And then at that point in time in her life, you know, having a kid at 15 was kind of taboo as crazy. Yeah, because she was a kid too. So, you know, there was a lot of stuff that went on with her that, you know, kind of messed her up probably with her mother. Oh, like, okay, like another thing with her, see, I didn't tell you, like, she got molested. She's not going to mind me telling you, you know what I'm saying, but she got molested when she was little, right? And... She went to tell people, and they didn't listen to. And her. they ignored her. Yeah. So, so, so when you when I really think about it, like she was just doing what she know. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, like, yeah. 
when when she when she was telling him like like she got molested by a family member. You know, I'm not gonna say who it was because you know he died, but rest in peace. You know what I'm saying? But you know they and before before the person that did it died, they apologized to her. Oh, she got and, lucky. And, and, and listen, like and they, they apologized to her, and she forgave him. That she got, okay. you know. The, uh, basically, the same thing happened to you. Same thing happened to me. Oh, so you got um, Melissa too? Oh yeah. Um, and and with you, when when it all came out and about, mm-hmm. nobody was there for me. Yeah. And almost blamed me. Yeah. You know, um, when it first came out, my mother was so upset. She was she was so upset with me, and that made me feel like, wow, what the hell. Yeah. You know, but being the jovial person that I am um, and having the strength of God that I do, yeah. that, you know, that's what got me through, mm-hmm. you know. And I had all these other people that came into my life that mm-hmm. were there for me. Yeah. Like, I think, like, my dad really knew. I don't even know if my dad knew what happened to him, but I think if he did, he probably would have killed that boy, no matter how old he was. You know what I'm saying? But it's like, I, I see, when I was younger, I was just getting in trouble. And like I said, I had to go to my dad to get in trouble. So... <laughs> I felt like he didn't love me, but he did. But he, he, I, but I, I really don't think that he knew what happened to me because, like, he probably couldn't understand. Like, why do you keep getting in trouble? Why do you keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over again? You know, and, and I think it's just that, like, all he knew was, uh, you know, they sent, they sent him here for me to discipline and let me do it. And not knowing, I never told him why I was getting in trouble. But then it's crazy because when I got older, you know, I was going to jail, you know. And, like, we, he would sit down and kick it with me. Like, you know, he knew I was selling drugs. He like, man, listen, man, I bet I never see you on the corner. I'm 18, you know, years. I bet I never see Like, he meant it. Nigga, I don't care how old you is. If I see you on that corner, it's going to be a problem, you know. And, and it's like, it wasn't like he just threatened me like that. It's just that, like, he, he's talk, he was talking to me, you know. And, yeah. like, you know, and it's like. Man, like I'm telling you, like like now, okay, like now I can talk to my mother about my relationship problems, but four or five years ago I couldn't. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So so when I couldn't, I just stopped. Right. No, but now now if I be having problems, call my mother. She she will actually sit there and listen to me now. Like I say, I I think that she realized what what she did wrong, and that she's like now she's she's uh fixing it. You know. And it's like, um, like she want me to make a song for the, um, cause you know she's a, she's she's doing activism. She wants me to make a song for the activists, but I'm like, I want to make the song, but then I'm like, I don't want to make it because you know if you listen to my music, it's talking about you know drugs, guns, you know the typical things that people you know basically street it's it's street music or I guess what they call it trap music or something like that. And if I go making activism songs. You know how people gonna look at me, but then then I look at it like my mother want me to do something for her, and I know I can do it. Then I'm not being there for her. You see what I'm saying? Yep. So, so I, I um I'm gonna make the song. You know, it's really not the type of music I would make, but I'm gonna make it because she's asking me for help. So I I need to be there for it. Because if not, then I'm just repeating the cycle of what happened before. Yeah. You know, even though it's a different situation. You know what I'm saying? But you know, she know her son can rap. She she believes like the music I make. She be like, you make good music, but you need to stop cussing so much. You know what I'm like, you know, and it's like, and it's crazy because I won't cuss in the conversation, but I do cuss in my music. You know, so it's kind of crazy. Yeah, 
No, I'm, I'm I'm really loving this conversation, and even as deep as it is, I'm like, I feel like we're doing our own little Oprah show or something. <laughs> I'm like, whoa. Well, sometimes you you know, again, there's three there's there's two people on here that you know had to deal with molestation. Yeah. You know, and and it affected them. It kind of affected them in the same way. It kind of affected them in different ways. Yeah. Um. You know, but it all has an effect. How did it affect you? Like, like, did it? Did you used to get in trouble and stuff when you was little, or? Well, I like, like, I, I didn't have to deal with the molestation. Oh, no, 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 I'm talking about there. Oh, uh, um, like I said, for me, it was just a question of withdrawal. I yeah. withdrew into myself. Yeah. Um, me, I had uh, other outlets. Um, I had other people that were. Uh, I was pretty talented as a kid, anyway. So I got into a lot of theater and stuff. And then I had a lot of other people that were influenced into my life that um, showed me different avenues. And, and I kind of had an outlet, you know what I'm saying? So I got a pass. Even though I didn't have the people that I really needed there, I had other people that were there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that made a big difference. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's amazing, like, the, um, yeah, the things, like, how important, you know, conversations are. You know, open lines of communication and how difficult it is. Um, Jimmy, like you were talking about, I, I can only, I can barely imagine how difficult it was, you know, for your mom. You know, and even though, you know, there were many ways in which she failed you, like she was probably doing the best she could, you know. And, yeah. and like that's, that's a hard pill to swallow sometimes, you know. Yeah. It's just like. And it's even harder when you are a parent and can't do anything about it. Right. Yeah. You know, imagine her end of it, you know. Yeah. I fell down on, this yeah. happened to my child, I fell down on my job. Yeah, right. you know, so it probably was difficult on her as well, trying to figure out what am I supposed to do differently. You right. Know, how am I supposed to even help you? Actually, I don't even know how to help me. Yeah, yeah. You know. Because like you know. I said, she, it's not that she didn't address it. She did She did address it. She went to the parent, but she just didn't talk to me. But she didn't talk to you about it. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I, don't want, I don't want her to hear this be like, well, I did, you know, but you know, <laughs> you know, you know, I want her. No, which is which is not a uncommon thing in the black community. I'm gonna I'm gonna switch slightly up here and then come back around to where we are. Um, people so often talk about slavery happening 300, 400 years ago, and you know, why do y'all keep bringing that up? Why do you keep dealing with it? Why do you keep mentioning it? Well, we keep mentioning it because it's still very prevalent. There are things that, there are practices that we as a community started doing um, in order to keep ourselves as safe as possible during slavery that we have continued to this day, though we don't necessarily know what the origins of it are. I mentioned a few weeks ago on one of the um, M3 hangouts about a barrel of laughs and where I discovered where the term a barrel of laughs came from well on plantations slaves were not allowed to have vocal outbursts of emotion so if something struck a slave particularly funny they had to run to any one of many barrels that were on the plantation full of water and stick their head in it and laugh that's crazy, man. It's crazy, but it's true. And that's where the term barrel of laughs comes from. 
So we might use it in a different way, but not even knowing it was a slavery term. Exactly. Exactly. Um, there are things about molestation and such that, again, we didn't have any control over. You know, they bred these slave owners bred people to get the best quality product. Because remember, we weren't considered people. Yeah, so it was nothing for right. So it was it was nothing for them to make uh, a mother and son sleep together to produce an offspring. Mm. You know, and and so those things just kind of went unsaid and untalked about in that day, and it got carried over because what can you do about it? Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah, it was one of those things like I said about um like mental health and toughness and things like that that um you know, because of some, you know, because of a history and a an experience with hardship, you know, people are I guess people within the black community have I don't know, a more resistance to talk about mental health issues because of so such difficulty and struggle that people have gone through and, you know, yeah, it's just um yeah, it still resonates now. Um no because we can. Yeah, because maybe the specifics of how that attitude arose is now no longer there but that attitude, you know, just continues. Yeah. Yeah. The and, whole thing about um about being black and gay. You didn't want your kid to stand out. You didn't want your kid to do anything that would draw attention to them. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> that was not a good thing. Yeah, and if you got the motherfucker, you know, walking around, you know, swishing and looking funny or whatever, yeah, okay, you're drawing attention to yourself. I'm going to beat that shit out of you. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know? Really, like, I listen to a lot of podcasts now, too. Um, uh, Malcolm and I be listening to Risk a lot, right? And um, it, I was listening to a story on there, and the guy was saying, he was a Mormon or something like that. And I guess they got something down in um, Utah where if you're gay, they'll send you somewhere. It's, oh, it's, this is one of the gay camps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, they send you to a gay camp. It's for the um, get you out of it. But then the guy was saying that um, his, uh, what's the person called? Like the um, Like the pastor. No, no, no. It, it was the person, the counselor. Mm. Okay, see, the counselor was saying something about, um, saying something about, uh, that he was saying, okay, oh, yeah, my friend, he said that the counselor was telling him a story. He said something about, oh, my friend, he, uh, met up with a guy and, you know, was basically cheating on his wife. It was something like that. Then he said, yeah, he said, yeah, I, uh, I did something, this and that. But then the guy, the guy didn't know that he was telling him that it was. He said he switched it up and said I, and then he sw- hurried up and tried to switch back and say, "Oh yeah, my friend." But then he was saying that the counselor was trying to say, "Oh yeah, I came to this gay camp, and I'm and I'm not gay no more." But the counselor slipped up and told him, telling him a story, and, and slipped up and said I instead of my friend. <laughs> and the guy, so the guy, the guy was telling everybody that he was straight now, but he was really still gay. <laughs> and, and you know, I, I guess it's somewhere in Utah. I mean, I don't know if it's everywhere, other spots, but well, there's plenty of pray the gay away places. Yeah, yeah, that, that's 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 exactly what it was called. It's yeah. called pray the gay away. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah I actually had a friend, um, I guess in Alabama, um, who was telling me about his history of that. You know, like when he was young, you know, like 17 or 18, his parents sent him to some conversion therapist. You know, I think that's the modern term, I guess. Yes. You want to make it clinical. <laughs> but, um, yeah, they did some really fucked up shit to his head. A lot of what they call aversion therapy. <laughs> so what they you know, this wasn't a pray. This was a secular, you know, but their thing was they would show him gay porn and then do something horrible. Electric shocks. Or something yeah. Like electric that. shocks or smells like rotting flesh under him so that he would associate all these negative things with sexual arousal. And even to this day, he still has that, you know, he's still a sexual being, but then all of these negative things come out like flashbacks. So, I mean, they literally just fucked him up sexually for the rest of his life, you know, um, in the hopes that this would make him better. Uh. You know, it's like, oh my God, like, and, you know, and then you gotta like, you know, thinking about going back to our conversation about conversations with your parents, like, you know, what sort of blame, you know, maybe like his relationship with his parents now is so messed up because obviously he's going to say, my parents sent me here. Yep. You know, again, the people that are supposed to protect you wound up fucking you up. Yeah. The most. Yeah. And I'm sure they had all the best intentions, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, yeah. Whew. <laughs> I, I was taking drinks. I, I, no, yeah, I see, I see what you guys. <laughs> I got some uh, Hennessy. That's what I'm, I'm drink, sipping on. Yeah, I think. Oh. I, <laughs> give me some. Um, what's that? Crown Apple. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that Crown Apple, and I don't even like dark, but I like that Crown Apple. Yeah, look. yeah. I like the sweet dark liquors. Yeah, but, they're uh, great for baking. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you're yeah. a baker. I am. Mm. Yes. Yeah. An eater. <laughs> <laughs> the match made happen. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> next time down in Atlanta. <laughs> Actually, I have to do that. But next time down in Atlanta, I'll about fifty people, so they good. So I'm just gonna have one big party. Yeah. Where you at? I'm in Brooklyn. Oh, okay. Yay, Brooklyn. <laughs> you um, aren't you a comedian or something? Or the other guy? Who, me? No, I'm not professional. I'm What's just funny. Yeah, you be, I, I was telling Mike, you be having me cracking up when I be watching y'all show, man. <laughs> like, y'all be talking about something serious, you just come up with something funny out of nowhere. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. That brings us to the end of episode six. If you'd like to learn more about the show, please visit jimmyandthebrain.com. There you'll find links to all our social media platforms as well as our previous episodes. Please make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a comment. It helps new users find our show. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next episode.